So if another state uses the same kind of provisions to deprive its citizens of their constitutional rights, and in particular to deprive their, their citizens of the ability to seek immediate review, um, we will bring the same kind of lawsuit. Was that the Attorney General? Yes, it was. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I knew we had one. I got the feeling that something right. Nice to see him. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka, California's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow... Says me from bradblog.com. Swell and somewhat confused today, but uh, thank you very much anyway for joining us today. Please forgive my confusion as we try to make sense of everything that is now going on all at once. <laughs> yeah, it keeps, it keeps happening. Keeps happening day after day after day for yeah. some reason. There is a lot of news to get to today, and a lot of it, uh, as usual these days is somewhat grim, Desi Doyen, I'm yes. sorry to say. Uh, so let's start with a few not-too-grim stories okay. uh, before things, you know, get a bit darker perhaps as we go, but we'll take what we can get right now. Here's some not-too-grim news. The Environmental Protection Agency said on Thursday that it would restore protections for Alaska's Bristol Bay blocking the construction of a massive and very long controversial gold and copper mine near the world's largest sockeye salmon run. The policy shift indicated in a court filing on Thursday in response to a lawsuit filed by the mine's opponents deals a serious blow to a project that has been in the works for more than a decade, really pushing two decades at this point, and which would have transformed southwest, southwest Alaska's landscape. And not in a good way, according to the opponents. Pebble Limited Partnership, that's the U.S. subsidiary of Canada's Northern Dynasty Minerals, argued that its proposed mine had the potential to be one of the most important metal-producing projects of the 21st century. But a coalition of Alaska natives, environmentalists, 
fishing operators and recreational anglers, including some prominent Republicans like Donald Trump Jr., countered the uh, the uh, pebble mine owners that, uh, saying that it was too risky to start a hard rock mine in the headwaters of a fishery teeming with sockeye, coho, chum, pink salmon that has provided generations of natives and many others along with them with a vital food source and uh, also that lured fishing enthusiasts from around the globe. In the filing, the, AP, the EPA says it plans to invoke its powers under the Clean Water Act to ensure the region's waters are not filled in or contaminated by material from the proposed open pit mining site. The uh, uh, Radhika Fox, the head of the EPA's Office of Water, said on Thursday it is essential to the livelihood and the community well-being of many Alaskan tribes, and it is also one of the most productive salmon fisheries in North America. Bristol Bay, she added, is a unique resource that needs protection. This, of course, has been a long, if somewhat under-the-radar battle up in Alaska Though it is one that we have followed over the years on the Green News Report. Oh, yes. And even here on the uh, on the broadcast proper. The EPA's move does not ensure the area's permanent protection, and it could be reversed by a subsequent presidential administration. But coming on the heels of setbacks the project suffered last fall, uh, it could hamper the company's ability now to raise any capital going forward to try to keep this project alive. Lawmakers, including even Republicans, Republican U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, for example, have also raised the idea of passing legislation in order to put Brist Bristol Bay off limits to development. And that would be nice. Uh, though uh, she, this would be uh, her plan would be to protect it in exchange for compensation that the federal government would provide Alaska for the potentially lost revenue. Well, that does make sense in a way, simply Why? because Alaska gets much of its budget from uh, extraction industries. Yeah. They pay revenue. So? so asking the federal government to, hey, can you replace this revenue that we were expecting? I can see that as being a legitimate thing to bargain yeah, for. Whether or not they give it to them, I don't know. Yeah, and you know how I see it? I see it as uh, Lisa Murkowski saying, nice, pristine bay and historic $2 billion a year commercial commercial salmon fishery you got there. We'd hate to see anything happen to it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> got any socialism to uh, help keep us from exploiting it? They want some of that cheddar? Of course. Socialism is, you know, really big up in Alaska. All the residents receive regular checks, payments mandated by the government from the massive extraction industry up there. And then they go and they vote Republican anyway because, you know, socialism for us, but not for anybody else, I guess. During the uh, presidential campaign, Joe Biden vowed to reinstate protections for the pristine bay. The Obama administration initially blocked the project back in 2014 due to what it called the unacceptable environmental effects. Everyone thought that uh, the victory was won at that point. Uh, the effects coming from an open pit mine uh, that, you know, pose dangers to the region's ecologically and economically valuable habitats. The Obama administration projected that mining activity could destroy 1,200 acres of wetlands, lakes and ponds, 
Donald Trump's first EPA administrator, Scott Pruitt, however, reversed that finding from the Obama administration and allowed the mine operators to apply for a permit. But the Trump administration eventually, even they shelved the mining plan after the release of embarrassing secret recordings of the mine's sponsors, as well as sustained opposition from Fox News host Tucker Carlson and other leading right-wingers who like to fish in the area. Hey, don't mess up the areas that we like to use. <laughs> exactly. That affects me personally. Don't do that. But some, uh, but the, uh, the most uh, concerted uh, opposition to Pebble Mine has come from the people who live close to the planned site. A coalition of 15 federally recognized tribes launched a campaign over the summer for President Biden to, quote, finish the job by blocking the mine. Alana Hurley, executive director of the United, United Tribes of Bristol Bay, described the decision to restart the EPA protection process as a, quote, monumental step in the right direction. Those protections are something that our tribes have been fighting for for literally almost two decades now, she said. The tribes represent a majority of the population in Bristol Bay, a majority of the population which for two decades has had to fight to protect their own livelihoods. And their food supply. The people on the ground, the small government, the locals who know it best, who were ignored for so many years by so many, uh, well, Republican administrations. Uh, and they understood that the Pebble Mine Project represented an existential threat to their way of life and their reliance on salmon. The EPA has used its authority under Section 404C of the Clean Water Act to block a, ma uh, block a, a major project only about a dozen other times. It is a rarely used authority. It is one that is used sparingly, according to uh, the EPA's top water official, Fox. But since this action has been reversed once before, the United Tribes Hurley cautioned that the administration will have to finalize this veto. And so Bristol Bay is not going to be protected until this process is complete, said Hurley. But it certainly sounds like we're getting closer. Uh, and since we could all use some encouraging news of late, well, there's a little bit for you. Yeah. After uh, two decades of fighting. So persistence works is one of the messages here. Yes. Keep do, up the fight. Do not give up the fight at all. And, and I just want to underscore that this is about a $2 billion fishery, a commercial fishery. And that means that if you keep that fishery going and basically just leave it alone, you will have those profits in perpetuity. Yep. But the Pebble Mine people wanted to do, they wanted to put a mine, toxic mine tailings pond yeah. half a mile up on a mountain in earthquake country. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. What's to worry about? Why are you so worried? Yeah, so, you know, and basically there's, a, there's an old Native American saying, I cannot remember who said it, but they said, look, you can have mining profits for 50 years or you can have salmon for a thousand years. Yeah. You cannot have both. And so it looks like, it looks like maybe there's a good chance that this will actually finally be killed off. Excellent news. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. <laughs> Herein ends today's broadcast because uh, we wish. just want to know. Actually, we have a little bit more good news here. Uh, the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits fell last week to 310,000. That is an all-time low during the pandemic and a sign 
that the surge in COVID-19 cases, which we'll talk about in a bit, caused by the Delta variant, uh, that has yet to lead at least to widespread layoffs. Once again, the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits fell to the all-time pandemic low. But of course, uh, you know, you, you have yet to hear much about this today. You, you know, it's good news, but, uh, you know, give it time. Am I right? Republicans and Fox Newsies who are rooting for these uh, deadly disaster right now to to make things much worse, no matter how many of your fellow American citizens are going to have to die to satisfy your twisted political ambitions. Thursday's report from the Labor Department uh, seemingly ignored by many news outlets today, or at least not receiving the type of blanket wall-to-wall coverage that bad economic news, bad job reports seem to get whenever they come out. I know we were on on break last week, but, uh, you know, there was a a, a not-as-good hiring report, and that was all over the place. That was wall-to-wall. You couldn't miss it. This report, which is good news, I had trouble even finding. Thursday's report shows that jobless claims dropped from a revised total of 345,000 the week before, and at the current pace, weekly applications for benefits are edging toward their pre-pandemic figure of about 225,000. That said, the spread of the Delta variant this summer has put renewed pressure on the economy and the job market. On Wednesday, the Federal Reserve reported that U.S. economic activity downshifted in July and August, in part because of a pullback in dining out, in travel and tourism related to concerns of the uh, Delta variant. And while that might sound like not good news, because it largely is not good news, it also serves a little bit to undercut Democratic Senator Joe Manchin and his ridiculous reasons for, quote, hitting the pause button on the Democrats' $3.5 trillion reconciliation package that would expand things like Medicare, the Affordable Care Act, child tax credits, parental leave, free pre-K and college education for all. Uh, And the plan, of course, would enact a massive program to upgrade the electric grid and move to clean renewable energy in response to our worsening climate emergency among other things in that package that, which would uh, also create you know millions of jobs oh there's that the well Manchin had claimed that inflation caused by an overheating uh, you know economic rebound from COVID, covid would would somehow imperil this wildly popular democratic plan to as joe biden says build back better you know, because, oh, the economy's heating up and therefore that drives inflation up and therefore we need to hit the pause button here. Well, with unemployment uh, falling and the overall economy slowing down a bit again, thanks to the idiots who refuse to get vaccinated as the Delta variant wreaks deadly havoc. Uh, hey, at least it's going to cool down inflation a little bit. Maybe that it should that should make Joe Manchin much happier. Right. The ongoing drop in applications for unemployment aid, six declines in the past seven weeks. Sorry again to disappoint you, Fox News. Uh, But that indicates that most companies are holding on, at least for now, to their workers, despite the economic slowdown. 
That trend, according to AP's coverage today, if you can find it, should help uh, sustain the economic rebound through the current wave of infections, they report. The pace of hiring, however, has weakened. They're still hiring out there, but the pace has slowed down a, a little bit, at least for now. It's still robust, but just not as robust as some had hoped. Last week in that jobs report that for some odd reason got much more coverage than today's report. The uh, government reported that hiring had slowed dramatically in August with employers adding just 235,000 jobs after having added roughly a million in both June and July. So that was a steep drop. Hiring plummeted in industries uh, which require face-to-face -face contact with the public like restaurants and hotels and retail. Still, some jobs were added in other areas, and the unemployment rate actually dropped to 5.2% uh, from 5.4%. And yet everyone was screaming that it was a disaster. Um, that part of the story received much less coverage last week for some odd reason. Hmm. The steady fall in uh, weekly applications for unemployment benefits coincides with a scaling back of aid for jobless Americans. This week, more than 8 million people lost all of their unemployment benefits with the expiration of two federal programs that had covered gig workers and people who have been jobless for more than six months. Those emergency programs were created last year when the pandemic first tore through the economy and when Republicans actually tried to take action in response with a Republican at the time in the White House. You know, back when they gave a damn about the health of Americans and the health of the economy. More recently, you will recall that a number of GOP-controlled states actually refused to offer the extended federal unemployment benefits that were re-upped by Democrats in Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan earlier this year. Not a single Republican voted for that plan because they uh, claimed that the extended federal benefits made it easier to, you know, for some to not take low-paying jobs. As it turns out, now that we have more data, there was no substantive difference in hiring or unemployment numbers between the states that allowed the unemployment, the unemployed to to receive those extended federal benefits versus those states that cruelly cut off their residents. In other words, unemployed workers were not refusing jobs because of, you know, free federal unemployment benefits. Employers were and are having problems finding workers because they do not pay them enough. As AP notes on this point, uh, some business owners had complained that the federal supplements made it harder to fill open jobs. Those pleas led governors in about 25 states to cancel the $300 payments early, payments that would have cost the states nothing. But by the way, would have helped the state's economies a lot. Uh, but they uh, canceled those $300 payments early in 25 states. They shut off... Um, those two emergency programs, 
But uh, academic research has found since that the early cutoffs in jobless benefits have led to only a small increase in hiring at best in those states. So they harmed their own state economies by taking out a pool of money that would have been circulating. And also they caused a lot of unnecessary suffering for no particular gain. Well, there is particular gain because if they can screw up the economy and if they can trick all of their people into uh, claiming that it is Joe Biden and the Democrats' Ah. fault, then that's just fine with them. They'll screw up their own economy if need be. Many economists express concern that the cutoff of those federal benefits will lead to financial hardship because the resurgence of the pandemic is going to make it even harder now for some of the unemployed to find work. But in turn, yes, that harms the economy. And that is a benefit right now to Republicans when a Democrat is in the White House. See how that works? By the way, after previous recessions, emergency expansions of jobless aid, according to AP, ended at a time when far, far fewer people were still receiving benefits. So, you know, Republicans worked hard to just cut this off, even though there are so many people who are out of work and need the help. But tanking the economy and killing Americans with COVID That appears to now be central to the GOP's political strategy for 2022, so we wish them luck. Uh, In the meantime, some other potentially encouraging-ish news. The Justice Department on Thursday sued the formerly great state of Texas over a uh, new state law that bans most abortions in clear defiance of 50-year-long precedent set by Roe v. Wade with the DOJ arguing that the Texas law was enacted, quote, in open defiance of the Constitution. The lawsuit was filed in federal court in Texas. It asked a federal judge to declare the law invalid, to, quote, enjoin its enforcement and to protect the rights that Texas has violated. Attorney General Merrick Garland said at a news conference announcing the suit on Thursday, that, quote, the act is clearly unconstitutional under long-standing Supreme Court precedent. So, yes, as it turns out, we do have an attorney general. Last week, after the Supreme Court allowed Texas Senate Bill 8 to take effect, I said that the Justice Department was evaluating all options to protect the constitutional rights of women and other persons. Today, after a careful assessment of the facts and the law, The Justice Department has filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas. Our position is set out in detail in our complaint. Its basis is as follows. SB 8 bans nearly all abortions in the state after six weeks of pregnancy, before many women even know they are pregnant, and months before a pregnancy is viable. It does so even in cases of rape, sexual abuse, or incest and it further prohibits any effort to aid the doctors who provide pre-viability abortions or the women who seek them. The act is clearly unconstitutional under long-standing Supreme Court precedent. The Justice Department went on to argue that the law unlawfully infringes on the constitutional rights of women and violates the supremacy clause of the Constitution, which says federal law supersedes state law. 
Federal officials are also concerned that other states could enact similar laws that would, quote, deprive their citizens of their constitutional rights, according to Garland. The lawsuit notes, quote, it is settled constitutional law that a state may not prohibit any woman from making the ultimate decision to terminate her pregnancy before viability, but Texas has done just that, the suit reads. That law, again known as SB8, uh, prohibits abortions once medical professionals can detect a heartbeat. That's around six weeks. And uh, this is something and many, uh, you know, this well before many women even know that they're pregnant. This is something that the state's Republican governor, Greg Abbott, does not seem to understand at all. As he recently attempted to defend the law, saying that the law does not ban abortions. Women have six weeks in which to get one. Of course, it takes four weeks before a woman might first miss her period, and if she happens to realize after four weeks and one day that she is pregnant somehow, well, at that point, she's got just two weeks to race and decide if she wishes to terminate her pregnancy and then figure out how to do so in Texas, which does not make it easy. And, of course, it is even less easy now as this law is uh, already causing uh, several clinics uh, who perform the procedure to shut down entirely. Courts have blocked other states from imposing similar restrictions, but the Texas law is different because of this enforcement by private citizens, bounty hunters who Vigilantes. can now yeah, who can now win win. Ten, at a minimum of $10,000 by suing anyone who, quote, aids or abets a woman uh, in terminating a pregnancy after six weeks that uh, puts friends, family members, clergy members, Uber drivers all at risk of being sued via civil lawsuits instead of using the criminal prosecution that would uh, traditionally be used with such laws. Informing on your friends, your family, people you know, people you don't even know. Yeah, that's very Soviet. <laughs> yeah, it is very Soviet. Uh, and uh, it's interesting how, you know, uh, Joe Biden had uh, been putting pressure on the DOJ to take action here. He called this law, um, quote, almost un-American. Democrats in Congress had been doing the same. It's interesting how quick Merrick Garland can move when he wants to move. That law was just passed days ago, and Garland's already out with a suit. I'm glad to see it, but uh, boy, he picks and chooses how fast he moves on a whole bunch of stuff. That lawsuit filed on Thursday seeks an immediate injunction to prohibit the enforcement of that law. Garland noted the uh, statute deputizes all private citizens without any showing of personal connection or injury in order to serve, as you said, as bounty hunters uh, who can receive at least $10,000 per claim. The obvious and expressly acknowledged intention of this statutory claim is to prevent women from ex exercising their constitutional rights by thwarting judicial review. The Texas law is the nation's biggest to uh, so far to curb abortion since the Supreme Court uh, affirmed the uh, landmark 1973 decision Roe v. Wade that uh, women do, in fact, have a constitutional right to an abortion. Already some of Texas's roughly two dozen clinics have temporarily stopped offering services altogether. Clinics in neighboring states have seen a surge in patients from Texas already. The Texas Right to Life 
uh, group, the state's largest anti-abortion group and uh, and a driver of the new law, said Thursday in anticipation of the new lawsuit that they were already working with other states to pass similar measures. Quote, the Biden administration's ploy represents a desperate attempt to stop the life-saving law by any means necessary, according to the group in a statement. And you know those folks, they really care about saving lives since they are many of the same folks who are telling people to not get vaccinated, to not wear masks. It's an outrage. People deserve choice. As long as the people don't happen to be women who are pregnant, I guess. And, of course, they're the same people who are often in line to support the death penalty and to support war and other life-taking activities. The law provides no exceptions, as Garland noted, uh, in cases of rape or incest, meaning a woman in Texas will now be forced to carry her rapist's baby to term. Even if that baby would be her own sister, I guess. On Tuesday, Abbott uh, defended the law's failure to protect against rape and incest by falsely noting that women had six weeks to get an abortion, which they don't. Uh, And he said that Texas would, quote, eliminate all rapists from the streets. How will he do that before a woman is raped by a rapist? I don't know. And I don't think Abbott knows either. I don't think he's clear on the concept or that he cares to be. But of course, he is so pro-life He has, at the very same time, forbidden school districts to require mask mandates during a a deadly pandemic. For what it's worth, recent surveys by the U.S. Department of Justice found that most rapes go unreported to police. So how Abbott would get those rapists after they have raped, that's also unclear. The 2019 survey found that only about one in three victims reported that they were raped or sexually assaulted. But at least the DOJ is now jumping in, which is what accounts for this as uh, our encouraging news segment, as dark as it is, during an otherwise discouraging week on many fronts so far in these United States. Let's take a quick break, and we will come back with some even less encouraging news, I hate to say, though a few bright spots maybe here and there. And then Desi Doyen's latest Green News report, to help screw it all up. (laughs) That's all ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself... Thank you. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. You may uh, you may recall back during the first summer of Barack Obama's presidency back in 2009 when right wingers were showing up at town hall meetings furious, furious about the proposed Affordable Care Act. Remember that? Oh, Which yes. uh, became known, of course, as Obamacare, the popular health care program that helps some 30 million Americans right now get access to health care. 
And as you also may recall, one of the things that they were told by Fox News to be falsely outraged about back then were so-called death panels that were built into the Affordable Care Act. Remember, this would end up killing grandma because it would ration care. If you got once you got to some certain age, they pretended you would then have to meet with doctors to decide if you could live or die (laughs) and who would get care and who would not. Really nutty stuff. Right. None of it, of course, was true. There was no rationing of care built into the ACA. But, you know, when Fox News tells Republicans to be outraged about something, by God, they are outraged right now. And they'll ask questions. Well, never. But, you know, that's what they do. They follow marching orders no matter how little sense it may make. And while Obamacare did not include death panels to ration care, guess what? That's exactly what is happening right now all over the country, thanks to those same idiot Republicans who have been told to be outraged about life-saving COVID vaccines and mask mandates. Idaho's state public health leaders announced this week that they have activated, quote, crisis standards of care, unquote. You know what that means? That means allowing health care rationing for the state's northern hospitals because there are more coronavirus patients than the institution can currently handle. The Idaho Department of Health and Welfare quietly enacted this move on Monday. They publicly announced it on Tuesday, warning residents that they may not get the care that they would normally expect if they need to be hospitalized. That's if they need to be hospitalized for any reason at all, not just COVID. Maybe you got a heart attack or a stroke or a stroke or you're in a car accident. Sorry. The move comes as the state's uh, confirmed coronavirus cases have now skyrocketed in recent weeks. Why is that? Well, Idaho has one of the lowest vaccination rates in the nation. Newly confirmed coronavirus infections uh, in Idaho are surging right now, and the state is now averaging more than 950 new cases every day, according to Johns Hopkins. That's an increase of more than 41% over the past two weeks. Idaho is also uh, last among U.S. states, with only about 45% of residents having received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine. Compare that uh, to the average across the rest of the nation, which is now happily up to 75% of uh, those who are eligible having received at least one shot. Uh, Just under 40% of Idaho residents are fully vaccinated. Just under 40%, making Idaho 48th in the nation uh, compared to other states and Washington, D.C. The state health agency cited, quote, a severe shortage of staffing and available beds in the northern area of the state caused by a massive increase in patients with COVID-19 who require hospitalization. The move to ration care in the state allows hospitals to uh, to allot scarce resources like intensive care unit rooms to patients most likely to survive, meaning, yes, rationed care, meaning, yes, death panels, literally for those deemed less likely to survive. Remember when you used to be furious about such things back in 2009, Republicans? Well, congratulations. You have now actually 
brought death panels upon yourself and by the way upon everyone else even though none of this is necessary because we have vaccines that would prevent any of this from happening other patients who are deemed less likely to survive well they'll still receive care sort of but they may be may be placed into you know hospital classrooms or conference rooms rather than traditional hospital rooms or they'll go without life-saving medical equipment like ventilators good luck to you guys on Monday, the Coeur d'Alene Hospital started moving uh, some coronavirus patients into a nearby conference center. A large classroom in the center was converted into a COVID-19 ward with temporary dividers separating the beds. Some emergency room patients are being treated in a converted portion of the emergency room lobby at this point. Urgent and elective surgeries both are now on hold. The crush of patients has forced Kootenai uh, Health, one of the largest facilities in the state, into, quote, doing things that were not normal, way outside of normal at times, according to the chief of staff at the hospital. Almost every day at this point, he said, we are having cardiac arrests uh, from patients when their oxygen levels dip too low because we can't supply them with enough oxygen. They've actually increased the size of the oxygen tank at the hospital, but if the caseload continues to grow, they're concerned that uh, the actual pipes that run through the walls, the actual oxen, oxygen delivery infrastructure will not be able to handle the demand. The state's crisis guidelines are complex and give hospitals a legal and ethical template to use while rationing care, death panels, under the guidelines, patients are given priority scores based on a number of factors that Im impact their likelihood of surviving a health crisis. Yes, this is the literal, the, you know, imaginary death panels in Obamacare that are now literally real in Idaho. Thanks to you, Republicans. Thanks to the same Republicans who were told to be outraged about Obamacare. Those deemed most in care, most in need of care and most likely to benefit, they're put on the priority list for scarce resources like ICU beds, others in dire need but with lower chances of survival, uh, chance, uh, will, will be given, quote, comfort care to help keep them pain-free, whether they succumb to their illnesses or recovered. Up to them. Good luck. Other patients with serious but not life-threatening uh, medical problems, they're going to face delays in receiving care, if at all, until resources are available. The uh, Idaho Department of Health and Welfare Director Dave Jeppesen said, I hope that your takeaway from this is that the vaccines work, that they are the best tool that we have to keep people from getting seriously sick from the coronavirus. The demand on hospitals, however, is likely to increase in coming weeks as case numbers continue to climb. So everyone, uh, according to Jeppesen, in Idaho at least, should take steps to avoid needing any emergency care if possible. How? Well, by wearing seatbelts, 
by taking your medication as prescribed, and by reconsidering activities like riding bikes because those can lead to accidents. Other states are preparing now to take similar measures. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear laid out the severity of the COVID-19 spread in the bluegrass state on Wednesday, saying that while hospitals are not yet at the point of needing to make the same tough choices about rationing care, he said, quote, we are right at or quickly approaching that point. Yes, that's in your state, Mitch McConnell. He said, we've called in FEMA strike teams, the National Guard. We've been deploying nursing students all over the state. We've taken over testing from hospitals just to free up additional people. But we've had more people test positive than ever before. We have more people in the hospital because of COVID than ever before, he said. We are at record numbers or near record numbers of uh, that we set record numbers that we set just days ago, he said, of people in the ICU or on ventilators. More than two thirds of state hospitals have critical staffing shortages and ventilators had to be delivered to the hospitals around the state that, quote, almost never have to use them. Bashir said it's not just big urban hospitals that are filling up. It's regional hospitals that typically do not treat incredibly sick patients who are filled with those sick patients now. So we are at a precarious situation, he said. As of Labor Day this week, the U.S., and this is just amazing to me, as of Labor Day this year, this week, the U.S. had three and a half times as many COVID-19 cases, had two and a half times as many hospitalizations, and nearly two times as many deaths as compared to last year's. Labor Day back in 2020. That, according to data from Johns Hopkins and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, we are going in the wrong direction for some reason. Here's CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta talking about this on Wednesday. If you were to ask me last year at this time, show me these numbers, I would say, oh, I guess we didn't actually get to the vaccine. Truth is, we have a vaccine. These numbers should be a lot lower than Labor Day last weekend, but here we are. Yeah, but here we are. How did we get here? And with school, the school year now underway, and schools in states, you know, like Texas and Florida, where the governors have banned, banned mask, mask mandates in the middle of all of this, many of those schools already looking at now shutting down and the incidence of young children needing critical ICU care, well, guess what? That's also skyrocketing. Right now, if you live in a state with low vaccination rates, your kid is three and a half times more likely to go to the ER and be admitted to the hospital as compared to if you live in a state with high vaccination rates. We always talk about herd immunity as these numbers. It's a concept. That's the concept. Get a lot of people vaccinated. Children are more protected. We're seeing that in states around the country. We're seeing the opposite where you have low vaccination. Imagine that. Children now represent more than a quarter of weekly COVID-19 cases in the U.S. That according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. And sadly, Texas leads the nation in the number of children who have died from COVID. By the way, adults can help kids if they actually care to by, you know what? Getting vaccinated. You get vaccinated, you save the children. 
unfortunately, uh, the kids themselves, at least under 12, are unable to get vaccinated. But too many of these adults are still not vaccinated, including, yes, in Texas and in places like Florida, where Governor Ron DeSantis continues to try and bar schools from mandating masks. Even now, even after all of these weeks, even with all of these increasing numbers of infections, including among children. And he's trying to do this, you know, at an already unspeakable price. Thirteen school employees from Miami-Dade County Public Schools alone have died from COVID-19 just since the middle of last month, since August 16. That, according to the school district and local teachers union, uh, they announced that this week among the 13 teachers, uh, among the 13 were teachers, Security, a security monitor, a cafeteria worker, school bus drivers. That, according to the United Teachers of Dade uh, President Carla Hernandez-Matz, all 13 were unvaccinated. School started in Miami-Dade on August 23. Miami-Dade is the largest school district in the state. It's one of a handful there that has enacted a mask mandate in defiance of Florida Governor DeSantis. And on that front, at least some good news today. Florida's uh, Second Circuit Judge John Cooper on Wednesday ruled against DeSantis and his appeal, allowing Florida schools to continue to have mask mandates while DeSantis appeals at a higher level. Effective immediately, the state of Florida must stop their enforcement of a ban on mask mandates, at least for now. That ends sanctions against several school districts who have implemented such mandates. DeSantis had appealed uh, Cooper's earlier ruling that uh, that stated that the governor had overreached and did not have the authority to ban school districts from implementing mask mandates without apparent opt out. Thirteen Florida school districts have now implemented a mask mandate in defiance of the governor without apparent opt-out, defying an earlier executive order by the twisted, authoritarian, death-cultist Republican governor. Judge Cooper noted, quote, that uh, children are more susceptible to the Delta variant than to the form from a year ago, he said. Uh, In particular, for children under 12, they cannot be vaccinated. Therefore, there's really only one or two means to protect them against the virus as either stay at home Or wear a mask. He added that uh, based on the evidence, young students, quote, arguably have no way to avoid this other than to stay home and isolate themselves, which he said, I think everybody agrees, is not good for them. Now, as we are speaking today, uh, so is President Biden. Uh, he's announcing new vaccine mandates for the nation. I have yet to uh, see his speech or read it. Um. But AP right now is reporting it this way, quote, in his uh, most forceful pandemic actions and words, President Joe Biden on Thursday announced sweeping new federal vaccine requirements affecting as many as 100 million Americans in an all out effort to increase COVID-19 vaccinations and to curb the surging Delta variant. Good. Speaking at the White House, Biden sharply criticized the roughly 80 million Americans who are not yet vaccinated, despite months of availability and incentives. 
We have been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us, he said, all but biting off his words, AP reports. The unvaccinated minority can cause a lot of damage, and they are, said the president. The expansive new rules mandate that all employees with more than 100 workers uh, must require them to be vaccinated or test for the virus weekly. This affects about 80 million Americans and the roughly 17 million uh, workers at health facilities that receive federal Medicare or Medicaid also will have to be fully vaccinated. Biden is also signing an executive order to require vaccination for employees of the executive branch and contractors who do business with the federal government with no option to test out. That's good. That covers several million more workers. The new mandates come not a moment too soon, frankly, and arguably too late for hundreds of thousands of Americans. I shouldn't have waited, said Megan Blankenbiller in several videos that she posted to uh, TikTok from her ICU bed last month. She became uh, sick before she was able to get the COVID-19 uh, COVID vaccine. Here's a clip from one of those videos. If you are even 70% sure that you want the vaccine, go get it. Don't wait Go get it, because hopefully if you get it, then you won't end up in the hospital like me, okay? Now, unfortunately, I did not get vaccinated, and it's not because I'm anti-vax. I waited too long. I was scared. Um, I was, for weeks, really, like thinking about getting it ready to get it and frankly I waited because I was trying to convince my whole family to do it at the same time but if you are in my boat and you're waiting to convince someone else to do it with you don't just go get vaccinated I believe Blankenbiller was uh, 31 years old she died nine days after her last video was posted to TikTok. Take her advice. Don't wait. You've waited long enough. Green News Report is next. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Well, I'll tell you what. President Biden has had a pretty busy week this yes. week. As much as we complain about how busy we are, imagine how he feels uh, as you discussed as Doyen in our latest Green News Report. Climate change poses an existential mm -hmm. threat to our lives, to our economy, and the threat is here. We can stop it from getting worse. Biden pushes for infrastructure resilience following Ida's devastation. Toxic chemicals and sewage left swirling in Hurricane's wake. Plus, the last gallon of leaded gasoline was sold in Algeria in July. A new milestone. The world finally got the lead out. 
All of those milestones and mayhem straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I think we're at one of those inflection points where we either act or we're going to be we're going to be in real, real trouble. Oh, we're in trouble. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Tessie Doyen, it's good to be back. Luckily, there were no big green stories over the past (laughs) week. But I've got this today from the League of Conservation Voters, who have now told every Democrat in Congress that if they do not support federal climate action in Joe Biden's Build Back Better bill, their action fund will not endorse any of those Democrats. Good. Putting their money where their mouth is. Yes, ma'am. What did you got for us today? Well, we are in peak hurricane season right now. Great. And tropical storm Mindy quickly formed on Wednesday and hit Florida's panhandle just hours later. Climate scientists have observed a trend toward faster intensification of storms due to warming oceans, and that gives communities no time to prepare. Mindy is the 13th named storm of the 20. 21 season. The average date for the 13th named storm used to be October 25th. Wow. And really, this storm did just spin out of nowhere and boom, made landfall. Yep. And in the wake of last week's Category 4 Hurricane Ida, as we go to air, the death toll has jumped to at least 82 across four states. If there is any good news from Ida, it is that New Orleans levees, pumps, and storm surge floodgates mostly held. But the state's electric grid did not, with Ida knocking down more transmission lines than Hurricane Katrina, Ike, Delta, and Zeta combined. The lights are finally back on in New Orleans, but areas outside the city are still without power. Ida's destruction forced the shutdown of 51 municipal drinking water systems, and more than 300,000 people are still without access to clean water. Well, you know what wouldn't hurt? Burying those power lines. I understand there's a bill working its way through Congress, which might be able to help pay for important stuff like that. New reports are now emerging of extensive water and air pollution caused by Ida, which passed directly over one of the nation's primary oil and gas industry hubs in Louisiana. Before and after the storm, oil and gas facilities vented dangerous chemicals and gases into the atmosphere. The U.S. Coast Guard is now investigating nearly 2,000 reports of oil and chemical spills, including an 11 mile-long oil spill from an abandoned well. A recent GAO report found that the oil and gas industry has abandoned more than 18,000 miles of decommissioned pipelines in the Gulf of Mexico alone that continue to pose a pollution threat. Wow. Create the problem and then abandon it. President Joe Biden this week visited victims of Ida's destruction in Louisiana, Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey, where the storm and its remnants unleashed historic rainfall and deadly flash floods that demolished infrastructure and caused billions of dollars in damages. On Tuesday, Biden unequivocally drew the connection between man-made climate change and this summer's extreme weather disasters that have affected nearly one in three Americans. He bluntly stated that U.S. infrastructure is clearly not ready for accelerating climate change impacts and urged Congress to pass his Build Back Better infrastructure jobs plan. When I talk about building back better, I mean you can't build to what it was before this last storm. You got to build better so if the storm occurred again, there would be no damage. And so, folks, we got to listen to the scientists and the economists 
and the national security experts. They all tell us this is code red. A new analysis this week by the Department of Energy finds that if Congress passes Biden's clean energy policies, doubling of U.S. solar energy projects could provide at least 40 percent of the nation's electricity by 2035 and employ as many as one and a half million people, all without increasing electricity prices. Or increasing emissions. True. Congressional Democrats are now trying to hammer out the details of that massive budget reconciliation bill, including those crucial climate policies that the League of Conservation Voters has demanded in order to create millions of jobs hardening the nation's infrastructure resilience. And finally, the world has finally stopped using toxic leaded gasoline, a century after it was developed and 50 years after its dangers were established. Leaded gasoline was phased out due to its high toxicity and links to lower IQ. Cues and higher rates of violent crime. The global phase-out of leaded fuel has prevented more than one and a half million premature deaths and saved nearly $3 trillion per year from improved health and lower crime rates. Yeah, but we still sold it until 2021. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. And it's a bad time. It is about time. Yes. Uh, And speaking of about time, while uh, the Green News Report was finishing up there, uh, this just in from CNN, Los Angeles uh, schools, the uh, nation's second largest school district, will require COVID-19 vaccines for all eligible students. So that's about time, too. And it's about time we wrap this uh, grim show up today and get out while the getting is good. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyne, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. We hope it was not too grim. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com, all of which is made possible by those of you who support our grim work at bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. Always good to hear from you and always cheers me up. I am usually cheers me up. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am the Bradblog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. It's about time. It's about time.